Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. So when Nita reads the chapter every week, she makes copious notes. I try. Yeah. Uh, Usually between one to two pages of notes in her little notebook. And we've reached that most auspicious time. (laughs) The end of a notebook. Where, yeah, you're coming up on the end of your notebook. You've only got a few pages left. Ten-ish pages left, probably less than that. So it uh, happens. This is like my third notebook we've gone through. Yep, it'll be time to get another one. Yep. Yeah. I don't get a new notebook per book because the pages just don't line up that way, and that feels wasteful. So I just go until it's over. It's true, and I mean, if nothing else, it's a testament to how long we've been doing this. Yeah, and I'm on. I think this is my third notebook. Yeah, we've been we've been going at this for a while. Good job, us. We had promised ourselves we'd do a book. And then we will ha- we would have been satisfied with uh, having fulfilled the mandate of what we set out to do. And uh, now, years later, we're still at it. So, yeah, good for us. Yeah. Sticking with it. Woo! Doing a thing together. <laughs> we are married. At any rate, time to get into this week's episode, starting with a brief recap of our previous chapter in which the undetectables split up to cover more ground with Diana going off to uh, check out the crime scene while Mallory and Cornelia, our focal characters, go to an autopsy. <laughs> Wee! They meet a very stern doctor. They get a few clues. Some and info. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they uh, leave and uh, decide that they need to meet back up with Diana. And that's kind of where we find them as we segue into chapter seven of The Undetectables by Courtney Smith. Yeah, we more or less pick right up where we left off with them standing outside of the medical examiner's Yeah, (laughs) basically. They're out on the street in the middle of the morning. Yeah. Right? Uh, Now, Mallory is like, hey, you know what? Let's walk back because it'll help us, A, think, and B, it'll give us a little bit of fresh air after having been in the formaldehyde building. Yeah. Uh, And I think also C and D, (laughs) um, she wants time to talk things out. She wants a span of time to, like, process what they've just seen. Uh, She wants to take advantage of the fact that it stopped raining. And that she's not feeling particularly sore in that moment. Yes. Well, like she said, she's got a 50-50 chance that a walk will help. Right? Sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And then D, I think she just wants to spend some time with Cornelia. Not that she'd necessarily be acknowledging that to herself at this juncture, because... She would not, but I think it's there. At risk of getting a little ahead of ourselves, we get a little more insight into the relationship dynamic in this chapter, which is that Mallory 
feels that because of the distance the last few years have put between her and Cornelia, that she needs to kind of like learn how to be friends with her all over again. Yeah, they need to re-friend. And is not acknowledging the subconscious fact that she is very attracted to Cornelia. Yes. She actually, at one point in this chapter, kind of says to herself that she talked herself out of having a relationship a long time ago. Like, she's not really into that. But she's definitely into Cornelia and just can't square that fact yet. Yeah. I don't think she understands what the feels are yeah. that she has. Correct. Or if she does, she's like, no, no, we are not acknowledging this in the slightest. No. Well, it doesn't feel like she's actively trying to talk herself out of her attraction to Cornelia in that she is more just straight up puzzled that she is. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's like, what I mean. It's, like, it's she doesn't whole, totally understand it. Yeah, it's a whole unfamiliar territory for her. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which is possible because it's very probable that Mallory doesn't know that she's gay. Based on kind of the way she worded things in this chapter, I get the impression that she just never found herself particularly attracted to boys and assumed that maybe she was asexual. I mean, maybe. And so this whole, I'm actually kind of, as you put it in a previous episode, Twitter paid it about Cornelia <laughs> situation is very new to her. Like she's not used to having like attraction to people like that. I mean, maybe. We yeah. don't know. We don't know a lot about... Mallory's backstory in that way? In that way. Right? So hard to say. Yeah. I I don't want to leap to conclusions, but yeah, my read on it is that she's very confused about the feelings she's feeling (laughs) because they're very new to her. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes because it's going to go somewhere. Yeah. At any rate, they begin walking back to Cornelia's place to meet back up with Diana. Right. And like good detectives, they start talking it out. Yeah. Right? They start hashing through things, piecing things together. I think it's Cornelia brings up something I think is really important. Why would someone risk murdering? Yeah. We kind of got a a hint of this when they were talking to the Nightmare. uh, Specifically that this whole unified magical liaison of magical municipalities (laughs) uh, that they're part of relies very heavily on kind of uh, keeping a low profile. Yes. Uh, I don't get the impression that this is a whole secret world sort of situation where we don't want the normies to know what's going on so much as it's just kind of accepted that if you do the occulture, you're going to keep it on the DL so that it doesn't totally disrupt the world. Just sort of keep your head down and carry on. And Yeah, so the fact that someone is actively flaunting this is a big deal because it means that they don't fear repercussions from the people who are in charge of this. Which... Feels extreme. Like wasn't wasn't one of them like exile and yeah. like shame and yeah. I I got the impression that the consequences, like consequences for murder, are pretty extreme anyway. Yeah. Right. And in the culture, I imagine it's it's even worse. Like that's the impression I got. Yeah. Based on tidbits that we've been getting throughout the book so far, it seems like a culture works a lot on like reputation and yeah. And stuff like that. And so something as heinous as murder is like just unthinkable. Yeah, your your right? social credit would uh, drop to nothing, and that and in the culture, my impression is that that's that's a big deal, a huge deal. Yeah. So why would someone risk that? Like, what is so important on the other side of this murder? Yeah. What What don't we it? know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Cornelia also reveals that uh, she's made some duplications using magic of the crime scene photos. Which is lovely. So that they can have access to them in future. And also mentions that she too recognized the sigil that had been carved into Custer. Yeah, she's like, yeah, there's something familiar about it, but she couldn't quite place it. Yeah, so similar boat to Mallory. They've both seen this before, but it's just like touching the memory. They they don't know exactly where or how or in what context. Mm -hmm. My theory still stands that it's from Theodore, but we haven't proven anything yet. Their whole little reverie is interrupted when a car screeches past <laughs> and then pulls over. Like and, blaring music at them. Yeah, and then two very fabulous fairies pour out and like go over and immediately glom on Cornelia. Yes. <laughs> and Mallory, mostly Cornelia. Mostly Cornelia. So it is my understanding that fairies are basically the drag queens of this world because these two are fabulous. Uh, that's, I don't know that that's necessarily accurate, if only because <laughs> they're, they're described very kind of envy and androgynous. Oh, yes. The but, whole fairy couture is very, like, kind of transcends gender. Right. So this is where we meet Felix and Ben, yep. two fairies who are in a band, yep. and one has a glittery mohawk, uh-huh. and they are super fabulous. Uh, we also learn that fairies, apparently, not big on lying. All impossible. Yeah. Apparently, uh, fairies are compelled to tell the truth, but we also get the impression that they're very good at telling the truth in creative ways. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like these two immediately. Of course you did. Of course I did. They're fabulous. And they're your kind of people. Oh. You would have partied with these guys in your 20s. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I should say these guys is inappropriate. I'm using guys in, these the, fairies. in the very like broad sense. <laughs> yes. I would have partied with these folk. <laughs> yeah. Now, Mallory's kind of put off by this, not because she's not happy to see Felix and meet Ben, but because when Felix invites them to, you should come check out our next gig. We've got this whole gig lined up. We're going to have a great party. Y'all should come. He lets slip that Cornelia and Diana have seen him more recently than Mallory. Yeah. He's like, we haven't seen you in months. And Mallory ticks like, months? Only. Only months? Yeah, because you haven't seen me in, like, years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which means that Diana and Cornelia and Felix have been hanging out without me. Yeah. And she gets real bent out of shape about this. She does. Yeah, she she doesn't voice that. No, she wouldn't, because it would be impolite. Yes, why would she actually talk to her friends about her insecurities and, and issues? Uh, instead, she just bottles it up. Yep. And, As uh, per our norm now. And, and gets bent out of shape and gets a headache about it. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. The walk did not make her feel better. The walk made her tired. And in fairness, what we've learned about her from previous chapters is that when she's tired and sore, her mood swings down. Yes. And she starts to feel really sorry for herself. And, and she, she starts to get angry about stuff that she shouldn't be angry she, about. Oh, she gets right cranky. Yeah. So they're in the car talking about things, chattering back and forth. And Ben is trying to explain this new gig that they're that they're having. Yep. And he's like, it took some while to get them on board and then we were had a rough start, but it'll be great. And just this whole like circular up and down, back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. And Mallory comments about how hard it was to follow what Ben was saying. Yep. And I was like, oh, oh no, girl, I got him. <laughs> I like, I understood. I, I speak gay. So I understood exactly <laughs> what he was saying. And it just amused me. I was like, oh no, I know a lot of people who talk exactly like that. I get it. It's I'm, your people. Yeah, these are my people. I loved it. 
They get dropped back off at Cornelia's place where they hook back up with Diana. And Diana gets a moment where she gets to also be like, Felix! <laughs> uh, and, and everybody has a good re-meet and greet. Theodore is also there. Yes. And uh, makes it clear that he's kind of eager to help them out with the case. <laughs> and is surprised, shocked even, that Mallory accepted a ride home. Because that means that she had to have accepted help from someone. Pointed comment about the way she treats herself. And hasn't actually helped herself out very much. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Her closest friend is desperately trying to send a message to her that she's just not picking up. Uh, refuses to. Like, uh, yeah. Blatantly actually, ignoring. Actually refuses yeah, to. Yeah. This is not ignorance. This is deliberate. Yeah. So instead, she just kind of angrily orders everybody to start working while she goes and lays down. Yeah, basically. She's like, we need to have this done, this done, and this down. I need to take a nap. Yeah. And everyone's just like, okay, bye. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, she's definitely a pleasure to work with when she's in that mood. Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't want to sound like I don't like Mallory. She's a very real character to me. Mm -hmm. I know people who are like that. And I empathize with her and I like her, but... There are times in this book so far where she has been very unlikable. Yeah. And I get it. Her situation sucks. Yeah. But she is not making it any better for herself. No. <laughs> which is... which we've already discussed in a previous episode. Yeah. And again, these are a group of people in their early 20s who are still trying to figure life out. Yeah. And, right? and one of the things that's kind of touched on in this chapter is that she's really twisted in knots about how she's not like she was six years ago. Correct. Because of the chronic illness. And she's kind of stuck wallowing in that rather than trying to find a way forward. And I'm my hope is that part of the journey for her in this novel is realizing that she has this support network who are ready and willing and able to help her. She just needs to ask. And, or let them. Or let them, because they're they're clearly willing to do it, but she can't bring herself to do that because she feels like it would make her a burden to them, and she feels that it would make them respect her less, in a way. Yeah, I, I don't know. She's... Her fatal flaw is pride. Oh, she's a proud girl. Yeah. Right? And she... She has this pride in her that she cannot accept help, but it's forcing her, and she doesn't see it, it's forcing her to stay in this rut. Yeah. Right? And it's kind of driving away the people who care about her. Right? Like they're desperately reaching out to help a person they see in pain, and she keeps smacking their hand away. And there comes a point where you just stop reaching out. Right? I which, know. Which might be why they haven't seen much of her in a few months. Again, something we discussed in a previous episode. It's true. We're just getting more evidence to support that mystery, <laughs> that little mystery yeah, of what's going on. That that non-mystery. Which which our brilliant detective Mallory can't seem to <laughs> figure out what's going on there, but. I can't help but wonder if she is, in the past day, uh, really equated this case to her own well-being. And I don't necessarily mean her health, but like her well-being. Yeah. Right? No, I, I see where, I think I see where you're coming from. Right? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, this case will reattach her to her friends, right? And it'll either bring her friends closer to her and make them stay or somehow, like, get her out of her rut and get her going. Yeah, I think I think it's a large part of getting her out of her rut. So she's kind of attached a lot of emotional weight to the success of this already. Already, and it's only been a day. Yeah. Right? Because she always wants to bring it back to the case. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it was good to see Felix. It was nice to meet Ben, but they were inviting them out. 
Yeah. And Mallory's like, we can't. Well, we can't. We can't. You accidentally hit it right on the head of the nail when you I said, know. I can't. Mm-hmm. Because she feels like if they're being invited out, she's going to be the one who has to stay home. Mm-hmm. Or, because she's not going to feel well enough to go. Exactly. Which means Cornelia and Diana are going to go out and do something without her again. And it'll be fun. Yep. Yeah. And she'll be stuck at home with the ghost. Yep. Boo. And it doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that but way. But she doesn't see it. But she doesn't see it. You're right. But anyway, maybe she'll start seeing it in the next chapter. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Hopefully the next chapter ends with, she took a nap and felt better. And here we go. Yeah. We also still have to find out what Diana found in her little investigation. So hopefully. Oh yeah, we still haven't talked properly to Diana. Yeah. Hopefully we get a little bit of that as we move into chapter eight, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. In the meantime, of course, as always, you can give us a little rating and a review because we appreciate it. And it helps us out. Yeah. You can also send us some uh, textual missives via social media. (laughs) Absolutely. We are on the X, the Instagram, the Facebook, the Goodreads, and now the Blue Sky. Yep. You can also send us an email directly. Absolutely. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much and we'll see you next time. Fabulous fairies. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Mm-hmm.